If you have your Bibles or your bulletin inserts, I'd invite you to turn to John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. We're continuing in our sermon series on the I Am's of Jesus. And when John first asked me to preach during the month of March, he, you know, really encouraged me to stay within his sermon series rather than to preach on something else. And I joked with him that he, it sounded to me like he was giving me some homework. Uh, but it was a challenge that I gladly, for the most part, accepted. And so as we look to our passage this morning, I, I want us to focus on three main points in our sermon this morning. First, that Christ is faithful as our good shepherd. Second, that Christ is knowledgeable as our good shepherd. And third, that Christ is sacrificial as our good shepherd. We're in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. And this is Jesus talking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. At one point in time in my life, I served as a property manager. And most of what I did involved commercial real estate. However, by nature of the job and the portfolio of the real estate that was owned by the company that I worked for, I found myself from time to time working with residential rentals. And it was amazing to me the way in which people would care for their residential rentals. At one apartment complex that we owned, there was a gentleman who had lived there for decades. And he had taken his courtyard and he had totally revamped it. He brought in his own sod, his own plants, his own everything, and he meticulously cared for it and maintained it. The landscaping company that we hired to take care of the apartment complex, they knew you do not touch this man's courtyard. He was the exception to the rule. Most every other residential rental that I walked in had holes in the walls from where doors had been slammed. Refrigerators weren't cleaned. Air filters weren't taken care of. You name it, and it happened. And it always baffled me. This is where people were living. This is where people were raising children, raising families. And it was disgusting. Why? Because it wasn't theirs. They had no ownership in it. If something happened, they picked up the phone and it was fixed. It didn't cost them, at least in their eyes. There was no skin in the game, so they had no concern whatsoever to care for their property. For those of us that own and maintain homes, why do we do that? We do it because we have an investment. We do have skin in the game. We have the ability to change, to correct, to repair, to maintain, because we own it and we have a right to it. Our mindset is different from those who are renters. And while some of us have been renters in our time, 
I hope we haven't treated property like I've just described. However, we do understand that there's a mindset change, right, between those who rent and those who own, those who have an investment in what is theirs. And we see this mindset present in our text this morning as Christ tells us that he is the good shepherd and he is unlike a hired hand. Our passage opens with Jesus declaring that he is the good shepherd and he contrasts his role as the good shepherd against those who were hired, those who don't own the sheep. What does he tell us? When trouble comes, they flee. They're gone. They get out of the way. Ultimately, they don't care. They're not in it for the sake of the sheep. They're in it for what they can get out of it, whether that's money or status or fame. There's no true commitment to the sheep. Just like in my opening story, a renter has no true commitment to their rental. They don't own it. They don't care. Jesus tells us that he isn't like that. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. The NIV commentators say that Jesus is willing to die because of his profound commitment to the ones that he loves. And I want us to talk more about this sacrificial element later in the sermon, but I want us to see here that it's because of his faithfulness to us that he's willing to lay down his life. Now there's no doubt that as Jesus is speaking, his hearers are thinking back to their Old Testament knowledge. They would have been well versed in what the Old Testament teaches. And we see the reference of shepherds throughout the Old Testament many, many places. And even when we think about those quote-unquote good shepherds, folks like Jacob and Joseph, Moses, David, think back to their lives. These were flawed individuals with sin, and some of those sins were gross sins. They were far from being the good shepherd. The prophet Ezekiel in his 34th chapter talks about the shepherds of Israel. And God, through the prophet, speaks on how the shepherds feed themselves, they clothe themselves, they care for themselves. But they don't take care of the weak and infirmed sheep in their care. The sheep are sick, they're scattered, they're lost. And ultimately, God says he will search for, find, and rescue his sheep. And towards the end of the 34th chapter, we read, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. We ultimately see Jesus proclaiming to be this good shepherd here in our text this morning. He's the shepherd, the only shepherd of the Davidic line who can claim these promises. No other king in the Davidic line of the Old Testament lineage is able to do this. Christ alone is our good shepherd who is faithful to his sheep. And I'm glad Christ is faithful to his sheep. We talked about it last week. Elijah just talked about it. Sheep are dumb. They don't have a lot going on. And they'll do the same thing over and over again without learning. In the sheepfold, when they're there, they're relatively protected. They're sheltered. They're away from harm. Protection is close at hand. Yet when a shepherd leads the sheep out into the pasture, all sorts of concerns and worries crop up, and a shepherd must be prepared to handle that. It's my understanding that sheep will eat anything. So a shepherd needs to be prepared to help distinguish between healthy food and poisonous roots or berries. And some reading that I did this week, I also came to understand that it's quite easy for a sheep to end up on its back with its feet in the air, and it doesn't know how to get turned back over. And this will ultimately lead to death. 
And so shepherds have to be on watch for terrain that could lead a sheep to end up like that. They also have to be watchful to see what sheep has ended up like that because they've got to go get it and fix it. Think back to last week's sermon on Jesus as the door. John spoke of the sheepfold and how communities and multiple shepherds would use the same sheepfold. Those shepherds would do what? He would name their sheep. He would know them. There was a relationship there, right? And so as those shepherds would return each morning, they might let out a call for their sheep to come, or they would call them by name. And when those sheep left the sheepfold to go and graze in the pasture, they would only go with their shepherd because of that relationship. Our second point this morning is that Christ is our knowledgeable good shepherd. He knows these dangers. Nothing is new or a surprise to him. Jesus lived on earth as a human and was tempted and tried in every way that we are today. Yet he was and is without sin. Jesus is prepared to protect us, prepared to set us back on our feet when we fall, prepared to guard us from wildlife, prepared to bring us back on course when we get off course. The middle portion of our passage this morning points out this relationship between Jesus as the shepherd and his sheep. We read, I know my own and my own knows me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. As the hymn writer writes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Doesn't that describe you and me this morning? We do what we want as we see fit because we think we know best. Or we listen to society because they say they know best. Nothing surprises Jesus. We can't catch him off guard. And this can be a little unsettling on some levels. But if you think about it, it's also really comforting. Because what do you and I want at our deepest level? We want to be known and loved for who we are. Despite our sins. Despite our flaws. Despite those secret things that most people don't know anything about. And Jesus sees us for who we really are, and he loves us. He cares for us. He knows what we need. He's knowledgeable about our lives. But we see Jesus taking this a step farther. As one commentator puts it, the model for this intimacy is the mutual knowledge shared between the Son and the Father. This commentator says Jesus slips out of the parable and speaks to the relationship between Jesus and God. His profound relationship with God characterizes the intimacy that he seeks with his followers. As he and the Father share profound love, so too Jesus and his flock share this quality of love. You get that? Jesus wants the same relationship with us that he has with his Father. That's how much he loves us. Jesus goes on in our passage to say that there are other sheep, not of this sheepfold, that are his. What did we learn last week? In John chapter 10, what is the sheepfold talking about? It's talking about Judaism. So who is he talking about when he says in our verse this morning, there are other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them and they will listen. There will be one flock and one shepherd. Who's Jesus talking about? He's talking about you. And he's talking about me. He's talking about the Gentile believers. Mark Johnston in his commentary says, God through Christ would fulfill his covenant promise to Abraham and make him and his Jewish descendants a blessing to the nations. The Gentiles would be gathered into the fold of God. The new identity that was to be found in Jesus Christ would, for his original listeners, 
transcend their Jewishness. It would be more than a national or ethnic identity that would mark them out. It would be something far richer, far deeper, something found only in Jesus. Think about what Jesus teaches in the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here in our passage this morning, we see one of the places in Scripture where it's made clear that Jesus came for all who would believe in him and who would walk through him as the door to the Father. And he continues to use his church for this purpose every day as we're called to seek the lost and the lame among us and to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Paul tells the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, something that I want us to hear this morning, and it's a, it's a rather lengthy passage, but I, I want you to listen to what Paul tells the Corinthian church. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There will be one flock, one shepherd, Jews and Gentiles together who've placed their faith in Christ were kept in his hands. As we look to the end of our passage this morning, we see where Jesus tells us in verses 17 and 18 that he lays down his life for his sheep. He also stated this in verse 11 and again in verse 15. So we see this here four times in the span of seven verses that Jesus is going to lay down his life for his sheep. And typically in Scripture, when we see something like that, when we see something repeated over and over and over again in a short amount of time, it's extremely important. Purpose is being drawn to it. We're supposed to look at it and see it. There is a reason for it. Jesus tells us that he will lay his life down and that he will take it up again. But you catch what he also said? He has the authority to do it. And we see this echoed later in John's Gospel when we read in the 19th chapter, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It wasn't taken from him. He gave it up. The ESV commentators say the term gave up, which emphasizes the voluntary nature of Jesus' self-sacrifice, echoes the description of the death of the suffering servant we see in Isaiah 53. John Piper says, Jesus decided by his own authority when he would give himself into the jaws of sin and death and judgment. And after he had lain among the slain for three days, he alone had the authority to take back his life again. He alone had the authority as the Son of God to take back his life. And therefore, Piper says, he alone was triumphant. Sin and death and judgment can never again destroy the sheep. 
So what do I want you to see here this morning? What do I want you to walk away with? You are known and loved. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're one of his sheep and you are protected and you are cared for no matter what happens to you in this life because of his faithfulness to us. Jesus Christ willingly followed the will of the Father to his death on the cross for your sins and for mine. He died a death he did not deserve to die. He went to the cross for wayward sheep like you and like me. His death was not for his sin. He had no sin. It was for our sin. For his sheep. And he did so because he loves you and he loves me. We didn't earn it. And we don't deserve it. As Paul tells the Romans in chapter 5. God shows his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the question this morning becomes this. Are you one of Christ's sheep? Are you part of his flock? A few verses after our passage this morning, we see where Christ says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Did you hear that? You're safe in Jesus' hand. No matter what may happen to you on this earth, Jesus has you. Place your faith and your trust through the power of the Holy Spirit in the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, who has conquered the grave and satisfied the punishment for sin. By His power and His authority, we are kept safe in His hands. No matter what situation we face here on earth, He holds us fast. Ada Haberson was a hymn writer who wrote around the turn of the 20th century. And as I looked through some of the hymns that she wrote, one of the ones that stuck out the most to me was Will the Circle Be Unbroken? However, Getty Music alongside Mark Merker have made another hymn that she wrote popular in recent years. And the second verse of what we know today as He Will Hold Me Fast was written by Haberson and it says, Those He saves are His delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises, they last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. Christ is our good shepherd if we are one of his sheep. We can be assured by the promises of his word that he will hold us fast. He has purchased us by his own death and resurrection, and we can rest today knowing that his promises do indeed last. Let us pray.